Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Lovely. Thank you for reading that for us. Uh, please keep that passage open in front of you, John 21, uh, page 1090. And uh, let me say thank you very much for giving me a, a warm welcome again. It's always a joy to be here and uh, a privilege to preach. So thank you for, for giving me a warm welcome. And why don't we bow our heads and I'll, I'll pray as we turn to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you that you speak to us clearly through the words of the Bible by your spirits. Please give us ears that are open to what you want to say to us tonight. Please give us hearts that are ready to yield to your will. Uh, we pray that you would speak to us for our upbuilding and our encouragements. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you, who do you follow in life? Who do you follow in life? Who do you look to for a lead? Uh, is there someone that you look up to? Is there someone uh, that you uh, try to imitate in life? A family member maybe, uh, a parent, uh, maybe a, a friend you admire, uh, someone who's always had a, a big influence on you. Uh, who do you follow in life? Maybe there's someone above you in your place of work or at university, someone you're, you're keen to, to learn from someone you're keen to model yourself on. Many people uh, look to celebrities, celebrities on screen or online. Uh, I was reading about the latest wave of YouTube stars. Um, uh, The the latest wave apparently is um, young people giving revision tips. Now, um, Ruby Granger um, is 17. Her YouTube channel has 13 million views. Uh, She will advise you on how to prepare for exams. Uh, you can watch sped-up videos of her studying at her desk. Uh, I don't know if that's the kind of thing that would help you or encourage you. If, if it is, do, do, do you look it up? I think as human beings, we are meant to be led. We are made to be led. And we might think of ourselves as, uh, as lions or eagles, uh, kind of carving our own way through life. But the Bible uses a less flattering picture Uh, The Bible describes us as sheep. We follow the herd all too easily. Uh, You may have picked up in the news recently, there's been um, anxiety about uh, how our online activity can be easily manipulated. You've been reading about this or seen this, about how our opinions can be shaped and molded and led. Uh, you and I are, are more easily led than we often like to think. We can be badly harmed if we follow the wrong leader, but we can be richly blessed, even eternally blessed, if we follow the right leader. And the Bible says that we were made to follow the risen Lord Jesus. In the last words of our passage tonight, verse 19, Jesus says, Follow me. They're the same words that come in chapter one as Jesus first calls his disciples. To be a Christian is to follow Jesus. And as we look at these verses together tonight, let's see three aspects of following him, following the risen Lord. Here's the first uh, up on screen. Uh, Following the risen Lord means loving him. 
And we're looking at verses 1 to 14. Uh, Those verses form a a section, they're bookended. Verse 1 says, Afterwards Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. And then verse 14 says, This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is uh, a resurrection appearance. But I'd like us to notice the tone of it as we look at it over the next few minutes. Verses 2 and 3 set the scene. Simon Peter, uh, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Uh, The Sea of Tiberias is uh, Lake Galilee, and so the disciples have uh, left Jerusalem, maybe a few days before, and uh, they're now back north in Galilee. That's where Jesus had said he would meet them, and uh, they're waiting. Understandably, they're a little restless, and so they go out to fish. That was their former job, Uh, but they catch nothing, and uh, maybe if fishing is a hobby of yours, uh, you can sympathize with them. Uh, The story is told of um, a man fishing on a very cold day, He's, uh, he's there for hours and he catches nothing. To his annoyance, uh, a teenager arrives and uh, sits down to fish just a little further on, uh, on the lakeside from where he is. And within an hour, the teenager has caught eight fish. The man is um, distraught by this. He goes over and says to him, What's your secret? Been here for hours in the cold. I've caught nothing. The teenager looks at him. And says, um, and the, the man sort of blinks and says, uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch a word of that. And uh, the young man spits out um, a large mouthful of brown goo into his hand and says, Sorry, I said, you've got to keep the worms warm. <laughs> Well, the disciples have caught nothing, Um, and uh, verse 4, early in the morning, uh, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. Maybe they're kept from recognizing him, which is what happens in a uh, a resurrection appearance on the road to Emmaus, or it might just be that it's hard to see because they're 100 yards from the shore and the light is still dim, but verse 5 He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm impressed that they take the advice. Uh, They they don't know that it's Jesus at this stage, uh, if you fish for a hobby, Uh, I guess that you're usually not that pleased when a passerby offers you some advice. And uh, maybe one of the disciples uh, heard this advice coming from the shore and muttered under his breath, oh, the right side of the boat. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I'll throw you off the right side of the boat in in a minute. But I'm sure they didn't. These were godly men. 
so, so they, get, they get this miraculously huge catch. And if you know John's gospel, uh, if you have a feel for the characters that we meet in John's gospel, you'll know that the next verses are typical. John shows quick insights. Peter shows quick action. Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boats, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. Peter loves the Lord. As soon as he hears that it's the Lord, he throws himself into the water to get to him. He's not going to wait an extra 15 minutes to row there. He hurls himself in. He swims for it. He loves the Lord. Verse 9, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net wasn't torn. Uh, 153 doesn't stand for anything. It's, uh, it just shows how amazingly generous Jesus is. It rings a bell with chapter 2 and the water into wine. Uh, it was the best wine. It was about 800 bottles worth, if you do the maths. Uh, It rings a bell with chapter 6. Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and there's so much food left over, uh, it fills 12 baskets. And here in chapter 21, they're large fish. There are 153 of them. It's, uh, It's such a Jesus thing to do. It's abundance, over the top, laugh out loud, generosity. And what then does Jesus do? He serves them. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Earlier, he had washed their feet. Uh, Supremely, he had died for their sins. But now, as the risen Lord of glory, he serves them still. They're tired, they're hungry, he cooks them a hot breakfast. Uh, Following this man is to love him. No wonder Peter hurls himself into the water to get to him. He loves him. And you and I are to love him as well. Uh, It might be that you're here tonight uh, thinking about Christian things uh, from the outside, so to speak. Please see this passage as evidence for Jesus' resurrection. It is eyewitness testimony. Please do weigh it up. But please also see who Jesus is in this passage. Following Jesus would not crush you. It would not be you throwing your life away. 
it would be to follow the most loving and generous man you could ever meet. And if you are a follower of his tonight, see again who you were following. Think of Peter hurling himself into the water to get to Jesus. To follow the risen Lord is to love him. It's also to serve him. This is the second thing up on screen, looking at verses 15 to 17. Verse 15, when they'd finished eating, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter. And what happens next is a a crucial moment when Peter is reinstated to Jesus' service. You might remember earlier on in John's Gospel, in chapter 13, as uh, we're approaching the cross, uh, Peter says to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Now, of course, as Peter says that, we can understand his feelings. He loves the Lord. He wants to serve him, perhaps even protect him. But Jesus has to lovingly teach Peter the truth of the gospel. The gospel is not that Peter will lay down his life for Jesus. Think about it for a moment. That is the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus will lay his life down for Peter and for many. And so Jesus answers back in chapter 13, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Which of course is what happens. And we then see the pain and the failure of Peter's uh, threefold denial. But here, In chapter 21, we now see the glory and the reassurance of Peter's threefold reinstatement by Jesus. It's a wonderful passage. Verse 15. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than this? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus deliberately asks Peter three times. He's drawing attention to the threefold denial. He's not being unkind. Asking three times is deeply significant. It grieved Peter at the time, but I take it that as Peter thought about it later, it comforted him deeply. Uh, Three denials counteracted by three expressions of love, Peter's failure and sin are washed away. They're completely forgiven. They're done with. In fact, they will be overwhelmed uh, by fruitful service. Peter is reinstated here to service. Jesus says, feed my lambs. He says, take care of my sheep. He says, feed my sheep. This is a, a repeated 
picture in the Bible, uh, the spiritual leader as shepherd, a shepherd not caring for himself, but caring for the sheep, uh, a shepherd who teaches God's word, who feeds the sheep on the green pastures of God's word. Peter is reinstated here to gospel ministry, and notice that the people of God here are Jesus' sheep, not Peter's sheep. Uh, Peter is an under-shepherd, a shepherd serving under the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus calls us to his service as well. Uh, Amy and I have got young children. Like I was saying earlier, we occasionally take them to farms where they can uh, meet the animals. In fact, we were at Yorkshire Wildlife Park yesterday. Uh, Two of my children stroked a wallaby which is very brave of them. And uh, earlier in the year, in February, um, our two-year-old boy, Sam, had the chance to uh, feed a lamb at uh, Boston Park Farm. He was uh, popped over the fence. He uh, held um, a little bottle of milk, and um, it was uh, one of the people at the farm helped him feed this little lamb. And it was a lovely scene with him with his little blue bobble hat on and, you know, feeding a little lamb. And uh, if you want to hear other sickly sweet stories about my children, just, just ask me later. Um, but here Peter is publicly reinstated uh, by Jesus. He is given fruitful service to perform. And so today Jesus gives us fruitful service to perform. So yes, we can give thanks for the Christian leaders he puts over us, Uh, those who feed us on God's word and take care of us. But we can also look for opportunities to contribute ourselves. It's a great privilege of the Christian life. The Lord Jesus doesn't just save us. He puts us to work. He makes us useful. Uh, He works through us to, to build up his people, to take care of them. If you have a a ministry role here at Christchurch, if you help feed the sheep, whether young or old, then take heart, because the Lord Jesus has entrusted that role to you. I think that's a wonderful privilege. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't yet have a role like that here. Maybe you're quite new to forward. It is a great privilege to serve Uh, There are opportunities here, I know, in the children's work, in the youth work, the international work. Um, Do chat to Andy or another member of staff here. You'd make their day, but more importantly, you'd please the Lord uh, because it's his sheep that you'd be feeding. Following the risen Lord uh, means loving him. It means serving him. And then lastly, it means dying for him. And we're looking at verses 18 and 19. Jesus carries on speaking with Peter. Verse 18. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. 
those words, uh, you will stretch out your hands, were um, commonly understood to refer to crucifixion uh, back in the first century. Uh, the victim would stretch out their hands. The uh, crossbeam of the cross would be tied across the neck and shoulders and arms. And uh, the victim would be led out to crucifixion. Jesus is saying to Peter, uh, you will be martyred. You will die on a cross, just like I did. It's quite something, isn't it? Just imagine being in Peter's shoes for a moment. Uh, The Lord himself speaks an unbreakable word of prophecy that at some point in the future, you will be executed by crucifixion. It's quite something. It's amazing, really, that Peter managed to serve for another 30 years or so, with that prophecy weighing on him. But think about it for a moment. So I think when Peter heard those words, yes, his heart would have trembled. Who wants to hear that they'll be martyred on a cross? But at the same time, I think his heart would have burned within him. Denying the Lord those three times would have almost broken Peter Mark's gospel tells us that when the cock crowed, he broke down and wept. He was confronted with his weakness. He couldn't stay true to Jesus. He couldn't do it. Only Jesus was strong enough, and Peter wasn't. Only Jesus could go to the cross. But now, Jesus promises Peter that he would be strong enough. Not strong enough to pay for sins on the cross, only Jesus could do that, but strong enough to stay true to Jesus. To stay true, even to the most painful end. So it would mean agony, but it would also mean glory. And what greater reinstatement could there be for the apostle? He will follow Jesus to the same end that Jesus met. He would die on a cross. And only a few weeks later, Pentecost would come. Peter would be filled with the spirit of the king. The spirit of the king would fill him. The spirit of the king would help him. The spirit of the king would keep him loyal, even in the face of death. Peter's threefold denial would be overwhelmed Uh, Overwhelmed by fruitful service and overwhelmed by glorious martyrdom. A painful gift from the Lord, yes, but for this apostle, I believe the greatest gift that Christ could have given him. Peter's heart would have trembled. Peter's heart would have burned within him. And Peter, of course, is following the pattern of what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus is to die for him. Uh, Before the Second World War, as the the Nazi regime grew in power, uh, the Nazis tried to influence the churches more and more. Uh, Many of the churches rolled over under the pressure. I understand uh, that in many churches, uh, the Bible that sat on the communion table was taken down, and Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, uh, replaced it. 
uh, a group of bold Christians stood up against the Nazi influence. They came together. They signed what was called the Barman Declaration. Uh, They became known as the Confessing Church. Uh, One important leader in the Confessing Church was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was eventually executed uh, for opposing the Nazi regime. Uh, He was hanged. Uh, Tragically, just a few weeks before the end of the war, uh, he was hanged in Flossenburg concentration camp. Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. To follow the risen Lord means dying for him. Now, we're not all called to crucifixion literally, as Peter was here, but as a picture, we are all called to crucifixion. Uh, As Jesus famously said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Uh, To follow the risen Lord means denying yourself. It means going the way of the cross. It means dying for him now and then living for him in eternity. It is a far-reaching demand. The Lord requires everything from us. But of course, he gives abundantly more. I wonder where you are feeling the cost of following Jesus at the moment. Uh, Dying for him is a painful gift, but a glorious gift. Uh, the bad language we repent of, the selfish use of money that we wrestle with, the unkindness to others that we try to resist. It's all painful, isn't it? But it's worth it. Uh, I said earlier, this term we're making new efforts to try to draw people over from forward to help the graft um, at St. Mary's in Doncaster. We're having these uh, seven prayer meetings asking that God would make it a fruitful partnership. Doncaster is a big town. It's poorly reached for the gospel. Uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I know that Paul Williams and the other leaders here um, would thank God if more people came. I think they would see that as encouraging evidence that this church knows what it means to follow the Lord that it means loving him, that it means serving him, that it means dying for him. It would be costly to move to Doncaster. It's not as nice as Sheffield. It's a move that would make no sense to those who don't follow Jesus. But I believe it could make good sense to some who do follow him. Of course, we can't all go to Doncaster, but I wonder if you'd be open to considering it. Why not come to that next prayer meeting on the 29th? Well, who will you spend your life following? Will you follow this celebrity over here? Will you follow that politician over there? Will you follow this author here, that friend over there? Who will you spend your life following? The risen Lord says to each of us tonight, follow me and love me and serve me 
and die for me. Let's bow our heads and I'll lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise you again for everything that you are to us and everything you've done for us. We thank you that you uh, have paid the price for our sins on the cross. We thank you that even now, as the risen Lord of glory, you go before us and serve us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to love you like the Apostle Peter did. Uh, Think of him throwing himself into the water uh, to swim to you. We praise you for the privilege of serving you and pray that you would resource our service of you. And Lord, it's a costly thing to live in a way uh, that uh, is dying for you daily, but we pray that you would help us do it and that you would guide us to live in the ways that bring you the greatest glory. Amen.